I've been around the church for over four decades, and I've always found it to be true that when the preacher speaks before a fellowship dinner, he always speaks way too long. Isn't that true? Yeah. This week will be no different. Last week we uh, finished our time together encouraging others to be hopeful, if you remember. Regardless of the circumstances we face, I want you to notice again 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, and uh, I think it's here on the screen for you. Obtaining the outcome of your faith. That's the key, right? That's where we're headed. That's what Peter will hang his hat on, if you will. Obtaining the outcome of your faith. The salvation of your souls. Some of you will remember the name Charles Schultz. Yes? Schultz was a mastermind behind the comic strip Peanuts. One of the most popular themes throughout the four decades of Peanuts comic strip was entitled Happiness Is. Remember that? From the 1960s, happiness is a warm puppy. My wife would disagree with that. In the 1980s, happiness became an ice cream cone. And as recently as 2011, viewers were asked to relate to Charlie Brown's good friend Linus, whereas happiness is a warm blanket. Now let me ask you this morning to think about your own happiness. What would you say? Remember, happiness is not just a simple emotion. When we speak of happiness, we're talking about a mindset, a choice, if you will, to see things from a different perspective. You remember those to which Peter writes are suffering in the way of the diaspora, of being scattered. They've been encouraged to have hope. But have hope in what? If you're having pain, oftentimes the only thing you can think about is the pain. It hurts, right? Right, Marcy? Marcy's struggling with back pain this morning, and I noticed as they were sitting a while ago, Hal is struggling with some pain of his own. Um, but isn't that true? I mean, when we have pain, it seems like that's the only thing we can focus on. If you're going through troubled times, oftentimes the trouble takes precedence even over the good things that are happening to you. I encouraged something, somebody recently to do, as I mentioned Diana did a little bit earlier, and that is to be thankful, to write down how good God is. Right? To make a list. Sometimes it takes practical things such as, as simple as writing down how good God is. Because when you take the focus off your pain, when you take focus off the suffering, and you recognize how good God is, right? I have four walls. I have a safe, dry place. I have, and I could go on and on and on. And ultimately it ends up with the salvation of Jesus Christ, right? But if we never sit and think, if we never stop and realize how good God is, then those things that cause us pain seem to take precedence over our life. Listen to what Peter says, beginning in verse 10. He says, concerning this salvation, because that's where our hope lies, right? In the salvation. Not in the here and now, as we talked about last week, but the salvation that's provided from Jesus Christ. Paul would say it this way, you are saved, you, will be, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Right? 
past, present, and future. That's where we can have our hope. And Peter says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. They inquired what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves. Now catch that. We're talking about prophecy in one of our Sunday school classes. And I think this is important for us as New Testament Christians to understand. It says, it was revealed to the prophets of old that they were serving not themselves, but they were serving you. In the things that now have been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which even angels long to look. Even angels don't completely understand the goodness of salvation. Isn't that amazing? I mean, Peter says we should have hope based upon that kind of salvation. But I think there are a few things we must understand concerning our coming to Christ. We often tell others that salvation is a free gift. Anybody said that before? Anybody heard that before? It's a free gift. Is it really a free gift? We tell others that if they will receive what Christ has done for them, then they too can live with God forever. I remember messages when I was yay big about gold streets and pearly gates and big mansions and everything was going to be okay. And as I mentioned to you last week, every fifth Sunday we'd have what we call the fifth Sunday sing. Some of you know what that is. And somebody would inevitably raise their hand and say, especially if we had a good guitar player or mandolin player, Michelle, Time to play the mandolin, right? All fly away. All fly away. Now, I don't want to destroy your faith this morning, but that I'll fly away, I'll escape my pain, I'll, I'll get away from this stuff that hurts is, is only part of salvation. In other words, you can hear message after message after message about salvation being free, and you can walk down the aisle and, and, and make a profession of faith and get in the baptistry, and, and you feel like you've, you've slid into home, and when Jesus Christ comes back, He's going to receive you as the church, and you're going to live on gold streets with a big mansion, and you're going to know everybody and all those kind of things, but that's only part of what salvation is. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, we're so limited in how we understand salvation. Peter would tell us even angels, messengers from God, mind you. Even angels long to look into this hope that we have, this joy we have, all because of the salvation with which God provides through Jesus. Now, I could offer many Scripture verses that summarize the Gospel, and I'm sure you could come up with your own, but just consider the following. John chapter 3, verse 16. You guys probably could recite it along with me, right? It's right here. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the Gospel, is it not? That's the good news. Amen? Yes. He goes on to say, Paul tells the church in Colossae in chapter 1, 15 and 16, 
He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, for by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. The same Jesus that John speaks of, or Jesus speaks of to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. That, my friends, is the Gospel. And Peter says these prophets spoke of, but they didn't fully understand the salvation the Messiah would bring. I want to read a text to you pretty quickly. You're going to know the text. I I think that you'll know the text. Therefore, I'm going to read it pretty quickly for the sake of time. I want to preface everything that I just read with saying this. This is 700 years prior to the birth of Christ. The prophet Isaiah. 700 years prior to the incarnation. God coming in the flesh. Listen to what Isaiah says. Isaiah 53. Who has believed what He has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For He, the Messiah, grew up before Him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at Him. No beauty that we should desire Him. He was despised and He was rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised, and we, every one of us, esteemed Him not. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with His wounds we are healed. Did you hear that? With His wounds. Do you know what they did to Jesus? With His wounds we are healed. All of us. All we like sheep have gone astray. Read Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All of us like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the sin, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet He opened not His mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked. Let that sink in for just a second. God in the flesh. They made His grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence. And there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. You know who many is? 
If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've received the blood of Jesus Christ, you are the many spoken of in Isaiah chapter 53. That He will make many to be accounted righteous, and He shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide Him a portion with the many, and He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because He poured out His soul to death. He was numbered with the transgressors. Yet He bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Paul would say it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry. He not only reconciled us to Himself, but He gave us, church, He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. Not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, church, to us, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, He goes on to say. God making His appeal through us. We implore you, Paul would say. We beg you. We're we're pleading with you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, listen, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. In Luke chapter 24, 25, and 26. Now, let me remind you that text I read from Isaiah 53 is 700 years prior to Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 24, 25, and 26, listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said to them, All foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets, including Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? Then he goes on to say in verses 44 and 45, 47, He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and He said to them, It is written that the Christ should suffer. The Messiah should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Here's the point. What am I doing with all this? Here's the point. Salvation is not free. Salvation costs God a life. Do you understand that? This is God hanging on the cross. This is God in the flesh hanging on the cross. I just read a text for you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that said He became sin for us. God reconciled Himself to man. He allows us to reconcile ourselves back to God only, only, only through Jesus the Christ. Salvation is not free. It costs It cost God something. Can you imagine that kind of love?
It's the point that even the angels, Peter would say, long to look. Prophets didn't fully understand it. The angels didn't fully understand it. And I'm with you, Mickey. I don't think we completely understand how good God is. But I do know this. What we do know, we will be judged upon. And I'm here to tell you, the Gospel is not, as you said, it's not about us. It's all about God. And God loves us so much that He gave. God loves us so much that He came. God loves us so much that He sacrificed. God loves us so much that He even went to the most brutal death you can imagine. Death on a cross. And He rose again three days later, crushing the head of Satan, the enemy. And He asked us to come along and do His ministry in the world. That, my friends, is the Gospel. That's the good news. And as we've talked about the last several weeks, most of us are okay with that. Especially the part that we receive, right? We like to receive. We like to receive free gifts. We like to be consumers. We like to understand that God loves us so much. God loves us so much. God loves us so much. But we never want to acknowledge that our salvation comes with responsibility. Peter goes on to say, in 1 Peter. Therefore, because this is true, prepare your minds for action. Be sober-minded. Set your hope. There's that word again. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as you who but as who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you call on him as father, if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. When I see that word exile, I'm reminded of that old hymn that says, this world is not my home, I'm just... A... You know that song, Philip? This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. Some of you know that old hymn. This is the exile. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Listen, He was foreknown, it says, before the foundation of the world, but He was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through Him are believers in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Remember, happiness is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about emotion. We're talking about a mindset. Having purified your souls by your obedience, not about receiving, it's obedience to the truth. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, some of you will know that text, right? It is by grace you've been saved through faith. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. So you shouldn't boast. If you're going to boast in anything, boast in the goodness of Jesus Christ. Amen? But you're not just saved 
to receive your saved for, he says in verse 10, for good works. We just read that text. You're saved because you've been reconciled to God. Now go and share with the world. They have the same opportunity to be reconciled to God. You're, you're now ministers of the Gospel. And to do so, you have to be obedient to what God says. Peter says it this way, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls. Seems apropos in our season that we're in now, right? But the Word of the Lord remains forever. You want something stable in your world? I think we all are begging for something that's stable. The Word of the Lord remains forever, he says. And this Word is the good news that was preached to you. It seems to me, based upon what Peter says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 and following, that holiness is not an option. Do you read it that way? You know, if you will, please please do the best you can to be holy. It's not what it says. The word hagios in the Greek means without spot or blemish. It means to be set apart. That's what holy means, right? To be different than the rest of the world. You are a light in a dark world, Jesus would say. You are the salt, that which preserves that which needs to be preserved. Holiness is not an option. All too often, we in the church have made holiness an option. Is that harsh? I don't know if it's harsh or not, but I believe it's true. We like to be consumers. We like to receive what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're quick to run down the aisle, especially when we have the warm fuzzies or we have something that prompts us, you know, some kind of feeling, some kind of emotion, right? This, I really worship today, right? I've got this emotion, I've got this feeling. No, it's not about that. It's not about this. Maybe, maybe worship comes with a feeling and maybe it doesn't. Nevertheless, worship. We're quick to receive what Jesus Christ has done for us, but it's words like obedience or words like discipline or words like good works, words like effort. We don't receive those words like holy. We don't receive those very well. And if you believe as I do, where Paul says all Scripture is God-breathed, that includes 1 Peter. It's not an option. Now we would think of holy as being perfect, right? You might be thinking, sure, Mike, we're called to be holy, but that's impossible. I mean, have you tried to be holy? Yeah, I've tried, and I've failed, and I've tried harder, and i failed, and I've tried harder, and you get the idea? And chances are, if you're on this journey of discipleship, you've done the same thing. So why would Peter be led by the Spirit to write these words? Why would he be led to quote from Leviticus 11.44, that says, be holy because I'm holy. 
Let me ask you to look at the text again for just a second. Holiness is not based upon something you do. Hear me. Holiness is not based upon something you do. It's based upon someone you receive. Yes? In other words, you're only holy only if you receive the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, but with the precious blood of Christ, I love Watchman Nee. Some of you may know the name Watchman Nee. He was a Chinese theologian. Um, that's in and of itself kind of interesting, but Chinese theologian in the 70s. Think about America in the 70s. Uh, maybe we could say a, a long ways from God in a lot of ways. China was no different. And Watchman Nee, as, as uh, hard as it was, was a Chinese theologian, and he would, he would be in auditoriums and, and being in amphitheaters, and he would fill the place up. And he's, he's a great Chinese theologian, and one of the things that he said that I, always, that I always appreciate about Watchman Nee, and I've got several of his books if you're interested, but Watchman Nee says, when Jesus Christ looks at you, believer, when God looks at you, believer, He doesn't see your sin anymore. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be righteous. There's nothing you can do. That's what Paul says in Ephesians 2, right? There's nothing you can do. You you can't be good enough. Jeremiah chapter 17 would say, above all else, the heart is desperately wicked. If you've lived any time at all, you know above all else, the heart is desperately wicked. And the harder you try, the harder you fall. So again, what does he mean to be holy? I, I think Watchman, and I, I think more importantly, God, through Peter, would say, receive the blood of Jesus Christ. Understand the righteousness that comes through Jesus. Those of you on Wednesday night in our Wednesday night Bible study will understand the word diakosune. This is the word that, that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 3 when he says it's not about my righteousness, it's not about your righteousness, it's not about being in the right place at the right time, it's about receiving Jesus Christ for who He is. The Lamb that is completely spotless, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or spot. Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 and 12 says this, Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. The elders were crying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. If you don't know the context there, they're kind of wringing their hands because there's no one worthy to open the seal. There's no one worthy to do what's right. There's there's no one that can do what needs to be done. And then the Lamb, and then Jesus Christ shows up And the elders recognize Jesus for who He is. And that perfect revelation would say the Paschal Lamb that goes all the way back to Exodus. This is what we just did. It goes all the way back to Exodus chapter 12 
when the Passover was instituted. It goes to Matthew 26 and other texts in the New Testament where Jesus sits down with His closest followers and they have this special meal. Jesus, celebrating not only the deliverance from the Israelites in the Exodus, bondage from Egypt and now delivered, but more importantly, a greater picture is you and I who've been in bondage now have the opportunity to be delivered based upon what Jesus Christ has done. That, my friends, is the God we worship. That, my friends, is the sacrifice that Jesus has made. Not for just my sins, although for my sins. Not for just your sins, although for your sins. But as John 3.16, we just read it, says, for the sins of the whole cosmos. The whole world. This morning, let me ask you, what would you say if I asked you happiness is? Would your prayer list be filled with things that are arbitrary, that seem pretty minimal? Or would it be filled with more praises than petitions? Would your prayer list, if you're considering happiness, would your prayer list be more about you? Or would it be about others? When considering happiness, not as an emotion, but as a mindset, do you see how Peter defines hope? Hope not in circumstances, not in the storms, but hope despite the circumstances. Hope despite the storms. Maybe you know this Jesus and maybe you get caught up sometimes in circumstances. Maybe you get caught up in the storms. Maybe today is the day to repent of that. And to get back to where you should be and that is with your eyes focused on the one greater than the storm. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe you don't know this Jesus. Maybe you've heard the Gospel preached many, many times, but you've never heard it from Isaiah 53, from 1 Peter chapter 1. I still can't fathom. I mean, I know who I am. You know who you are. And I can't fathom the kind of love that's described for us in this book. But I believe it. And I want to know Jesus more today than I know that I knew Him yesterday and more tomorrow than I know Him today. I hope that's your, your prayer as well. There's some of us who have known Jesus for a long time and yet when it comes to obedience, when it comes to living out the Christian walk. We've kind of waved a white flag and we've given up. And we're just kind of floating down the river. Have you ever floated down the river, right? I mean, the current just kind of takes you wherever it wants to take you, right? And every once in a while you have to get out of the inner tube and kind of correct yourself. I'm asking you today, 
Maybe it's time to get out of the inner tube and correct yourself. Maybe it's time to understand obedience. Maybe it's, under, it's time to understand discipleship. Maybe it's time to understand being a follower of Jesus Christ rather than a fan of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's not enough to say Jesus Christ is my superhero. Maybe it's actually about following Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray. There's going to be some elders down here, down front, that want to receive you if you need to come forward. Whether it's to receive Jesus, whether it's to pray with them, whether it's to pray alone, feel free to do that as well. But as I said last week, and I'll say over and over and over again, don't put this off one more day. Let's let God be God. Let's listen. And let's respond. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.